So we are getting uh, closer to the end of 1 John. Uh, been here for quite a while now, which is good. But we are in 1 John chapter 4, 12-21. We're going to cover, I guess, kind of a lot of verses today here. Uh, I just want to preface though as well, please, as we go through these... Um, these verse by verses, if you see something when you're reading this at home and you think, you know, I need to talk about that, please bring these up at church. Um, I am not the only person qualified to talk about God. So, um, and I want to, you're going to see in here that it's going to sound like common themes again, which some of it is, but we, we just need to remember that though John wrote this, Obviously, God has inspired him. God has inspired the words that he used. So, if God didn't want it to be there, it wouldn't be there. So, if it seems perhaps some of this might be slightly repetitive, God's got a reason for putting it in there. So, if not, it wouldn't be there. So, I'm going to read through this, and it's going to sound like a lot, and we'll, but we'll kind of split it up a little bit. So, starting at verse 12 and then going to the end of chapter 4. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us. And His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we remain in Him and He in us, because He has given to us of His Spirit. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, We also are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because He first loved us. If someone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother and sister, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. All right, so I know that is a lot. Some of it should sound familiar, though, because it is familiar themes. Uh, We basically have two things that we're going to try to talk about here, um, assuming that I talk about them correctly. Uh, one is we kind of see here a requirement for love. And remember when we talk love in these chapters, we're talking that agape love, that love that comes from God, not human love. <clears throat> and the other topic, which we'll get to in a minute. So I'm going to leave out verses 17 and 18 at first when we go through this to talk about the other part first. So as we talk about love, We have to go back to what we've spoke of before, those two commandments that Christ has given us. The two commandments, you shall love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, 
with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, this is very interesting because God has given us these commandments. Jesus Christ has given us these commandments to first of all love God. But we also know, and John uh, reinforces, no one has seen God. So you are to love someone you have not seen. Okay? This is talked about in other sections of Scripture. In 1 Timothy 1.17 it says, Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible. Okay? Speaking of God. And also in John 4.24, God is Spirit. So, this is something that if you want to say it's something we can kind of comprehend, but we don't fully understand, there's nothing wrong with saying that. God is a bit of a mystery in some ways for us. We're not going to know everything about God. Now, nobody has seen the Father. Nobody has seen the Spirit. That is what the Scriptures tell us. And nobody has seen Jesus when He was pre-incarnate, right? We've seen Him. We haven't personally, but others have seen Him when He took on a body. And then He ascended. That is the closest that anybody has gotten to seeing God. So what are the requirements that we are seeing here to love? What are the requirements that we're seeing here to be in God? One we have here is to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That is one that's mentioned here in these Scriptures. The other is what? To have the Spirit in us. <clears throat> is that the end of it? No, we, we see other things in here. We see specifically at the end of this chapter that if you hate your brother and sister, not your family brother and sister, but your ultimate brother and sister, your spiritual brothers and sisters in the, in the faith, that if you hate those people, you do not have God in you. That is what John is saying here. That is what God is saying through John. So if you can't love those you can see, how can you love the God you have not seen? That's what we're being told here because it is one of the greatest evidences that God's love is in you. So here, when we're in verse 13 here, we start to see a confidence that is shown here in this section of Scripture that we can know. By this we know that we remain in Him. There is a certainty in there. There is not a iffy, well, maybe, I kind of think this. That's not what's being portrayed here. The Spirit is in us. So that is how you would know. And that is the beauty of the New Testament. Because as we've talked of before, in the Old Testament, it appears that when the Spirit of God was around, He rested above people, on them maybe you could even say, but not in them, because they had the tabernacle back then. But now, 
God, our God, is in us because that is where He resides in believers. That is a, something uniquely different between the Old and the New Testament. That is good to keep in mind, and it's a blessing. So verse 15 where it talks of whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God. Something that we've kind of covered before in this, in this epistle. But what is it? It's that it's not just facts. We all know, or at least hopefully we all know, roughly what Scripture says of Jesus Christ. Of who He is, of what He's done. But here, it's talking of confessing. This is something that you agree with. This is something you believe in. So you have to have that, not just head knowledge, but commitment and love towards God. You can have all of that head knowledge though, and some of us have that. There's a lot of people in the world that have a lot of head knowledge, but if they don't love, the Scriptures is telling us that it's all null and void. That's what John is saying to us. That's what God is saying to us. <clears throat> so skipping to verse 19 here. We love... <clears throat> we love because he, lo he first loved us. This is a big statement to be said in Scripture here. That John is saying here. He's speaking for the brethren, of course. For those in the faith, he's saying that we love God. We love God. Now that is a big statement in this world. I want you to think of this. Are you afraid to say that in this world? Are you embarrassed to say that at work? Amongst family or amongst non-believers. That's something to think about. Charles Spurgeon has a, has a quote that I wanted to read on this. He says, he says, Jesus loved you when you lived carelessly, when you neglected His Word, when the knee was unbent in prayer. Ah, He loved some of you even when you were in the dancing saloon, granted we don't have a lot of dancing saloons anymore, but that's from his time. When you were in the playhouse, even when you were in the brothel, he loved you when you were at hell's gate and drank damnation at every draught. He loved you when you could not have been worse or further from him than you were. Marvelous, O Christ, is thy strange love. So Jesus Christ loved you when you were the most embarrassing version of yourself. We should not be ashamed of Jesus Christ. It's okay to be the weirdo at work, the Christian weirdo who only wants to talk about Jesus. It's because we're proud of our faith, of what Jesus has done for us. These are good things. Jesus wasn't too ashamed of us to save us. <clears throat> now verse 21 here. This is the end of the... I believe this is... Is this the end of the chapter? Yes. This is the end of the chapter here where it says, 
And this commandment we have from Him, that the one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. We've talked about this a lot. John has talked about this a lot. Right? This is the icing on the cake in chapter 4 here because it's the all-too-common scenario. Like I said, you can know the Word. You can show up for church. You can pray all the time. You can do all the good works. But if we hate somebody who is God's child, we're the same as Cain. And we all know what happened with Cain. He did not give sincerely in the Spirit, and sin overtook him. So John places a big emphasis on the end of the chapter here for that. So, that's kind of the really as far as I want to go with those verses, but I want to go back to uh, verse 17 and 18, which we didn't even look at yet. I think that those are, those are a good topic for today. <clears throat> so verse 17 and 18, let me read that real quick. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as He is, we also are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. I like that he kind of stuffed those in here because they do have a lot to do with what's going on here. But this, almost like a subtopic kind of thrown in there, really has to do of all about judgment and all about fear. Okay? I'm going to read a verse related to that. And we'll see how in a second here. Revelations 21, excuse me, Revelation 21, 6 through 8. And it says, Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give water to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. The one who overcomes will inherit these things and I will be his God and he will be my son. But for the cowardly and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and sexually immoral persons and the sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake of fire that in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So, how does this relate? What you guys do, uh, well, if you will, humor me. You kind of close your eyes for a second, if you will, just to kind of focus. It's a little easier when you close your eyes sometimes. I want you to imagine, let's just say, the sins that we have committed during our life, okay? I want you to imagine the fruits that you've had after conversion. Imagine your, your walk, you know, some highlights that have gone on in your life before and after Christ. And then, five minutes from now, you die. Let's just say that. We have died. Do you, and I don't, I don't want any hands raised, I don't want to be told this is between you and God, do you have confidence 
in your salvation before God? Is it a yes? Is it a maybe? Is it an I don't know? Or is it just a no? Go ahead and open your eyes. Why do I ask these things? Because here are some questions for you. Do you know that God loves you? Do you know that you love other children of God? Do you love the God that you have not seen? Really importantly, do you confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you believe in what the Gospel message is? That He lived that perfect life for us? That He was sacrificed on the cross for all your sins, past, present, and future? If you believe all these things, verse 17 is talking to you. Okay? Verse 17, which said what? By this, love is perfected in us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as He is, we also are in this world. Christ is glorified. We have been given glory, though it is not fully seen until we pass the veil. Christ, obviously justified, that justification has been given to us through Him. Christ's righteousness, we are clothed in that, so we are the same. We have that same righteousness before the Father. Spiritually speaking, we are on that same level, whether we realize it or not. That is the boldness that is being talked about here. That we're not just happy to get to the day of judgment and skirt by. Okay, We're not just skirting by and happy about that. We are bold in our salvation. Bold in our salvation. Because Christ's work on the cross has transformed us. We are not the same person anymore. That is a peace that you should have in your heart, in your spirit. That is a peace that you should have because you have it now and you have it when you most need it, which is on that day of your judgment. When you have your judgment time, which we all will have, if you are in Christ, you can lift your head, you can look at Him in the face, And you can know that He loves you. You can know that He is your advocate with the Father. So if we are good with Christ, we should be looking forward to this day because we have that boldness. When we stand before God and the books are opened, His love His love will ultimately be on display for us because of the righteousness that we will have in Christ, because of the salvation that we will have due to Christ's work. That is the ultimate display of His love at that point. The culmination, if you will, where we know where we are going. 
There is a lot that's going to be going through people's heads, saved or not saved, when they meet God after this life. You know, you may know that you're a sinner now, but you're really going to know it then when the books are opened, right? We may know that we are not better than the person next to us now. You're really going to know it when you have that one-on-one with God. We may know of what hell is or what the lake of fire is. We're going to really know it because we're not going to go there. Some people will, right? And we're really going to know what salvation is because that's going to be what is on display at that day. God's salvation for us. So, that's the beauty of the Gospel here, that we will have that boldness on our day of judgment because we have been conformed to Christ, not to ourselves. We are being conformed to what Christ was and is, that though, yes, He was a lover of God while being God, and a lover of man, That is the conformity that we have when we are what? When we are born again. That is on display now. It should be on display now. So that is our boldness. Uh, Verse 18 real quick though. But there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. So when love is complete, as we've said, we won't cower before the, in fear of God. We won't fear judgment. We won't fear that day. Because what? Because we know that that judgment, when we are in Christ, that judgment has already been poured out on the cross on our God for our behalf. <clears throat> So love, love talks of no fear in death, no fear in judgment, and that is a, an ease and a comfort that it should give us. Like I said, if you are a Christian, you have no reason to question where you are going when this life is done. No question. Now, some people maybe not, don't want to leave as soon. That's a whole different topic. But, as far as our final destination goes, we should have no qualms about it. That is the, that is the reinforcement that Scripture gives us on these things. <clears throat> and that is the mindset that should give you, should give you uh, that boldness to spread the Gospel as well, because we want other people to be bold in this belief, right? And it's not just a belief, but a reality. <clears throat> So we will have no fear. We're not going to be, we're going to go walk up and give God a high five necessarily, or maybe you will. But I think, <laughs> yeah, knuckles, yeah. <laughs> you will still be reverent. You look at the the scriptures where anybody has gotten near the power of God. There's going to be some awe-inspiring things going on there, but it won't be fear. 
That's why in these two verses here, that seven, uh, 17 and 18, that it appears that fear is the opposite of that boldness in the day of judgment. So, if love prevails, fear must leave. Fear of judgment must leave. If the love of God is fully indwelt in you, that fear should be evicted from your temple immediately because you have nothing to fear. But if you do have that fear, go to God. Go to His Word. God will make you more mature in that love. God will show you you don't have anything to fear. You're okay. You believe in My Son. You know where you're going. 